I hope the you that I'm seeing now is different than the you I'm going to see in December. I hope that there's some maturing that goes on in you, that you spiritually grow as you go throughout this year, and that you're not just counting on coming every time the doors are open in order to get that growth, that you have some kind of plan in your life that you are working. I love the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. They're going to say to you, the steps work if you work them. I'm going to say to you, these steps work. We guarantee you work, but you must work them. Don't think that just knowing them don't think that just saying them's enough. You've got to work the steps in order for the steps to work. And I want you to know, that's what we feel here. I want you to be growing. I want us to be a church that transforms with time, that we, don't just, we aren't just a year older the next year, but we're, an e- we're a year spiritually more mature than we were, but it's going to take some work on your part. It's going to take some effort. And I'm really trying to encourage you to do that. I think about this with plants. I'm going to compare two people. I'm going to compare me. I try to plant like this section of the yard that looks good and has the colorful plants and stuff. And I set them in there. I set them in there just like Lynn Wimberly told me to. He's kind of like our green thumb guy. And I put them in there. And a year and a half, two, three years later, they don't look anything like they did before. There's a lot of grass in that section. It the only thing that, that there, there's, a, there's a boundary, there's a border there, and it looks like there's grass on that side of the border, and, and I've just bordered some grass on the other side, and it all looks the same. I'm terrible with plants. Abby brought some home uh, from Harding for Christmas for about three weeks, and she brought them in. I said, you're a Furby. What are you doing with plants at Harding? They're going to die. We kill plants around here. We are murderers, right? But she said, oh, I'm going to bring it home for, and I noticed when she took them back yesterday, they looked real droopy, like they were about to give it up, and she's taking them back to Harding to hope the Harding effect does something with them. You, you think crepe myrtles can't be killed? I've killed two of them since I've been here. People say they're robust. They'll handle anything. No, they won't handle me. I promise you, they will die. And then you've got people like, she doesn't come to regular service. You may not know her, Twyla Thrym. She's a, She's just an amazing lady. She plays tennis and all this stuff and in shape and all that. But she has this amazing ability to make her yard look like better homes and gardens. And in fact, in other communities where she lived, I think Mark Tree maybe is where, not Mark Tree, but um, anyway, down south. Where was she from? Wynn, yeah, yeah. Down in Wynn when they lived down there. And then there was another place. But anyway, as they were down, they won all the awards for the neighborhood things, you know. They moved to Jonesboro, and there are no awards for neighborhood things, and it shows. But, I mean, as she does it, she should win an award, but she doesn't because there is no award to win. But that's just an expression of herself. And her yard looks amazing, amazing. She even makes rocks look amazing in her yard. But this year, she went beyond this. She saw a neighborhood adjoining hers that had a median that looked terrible. She decided she was going to adopt it. She adopted that median, planted stuff in there, and it looks amazing. And everybody talks about how incredible it looks over there. She just has this touch, something she does. The difference is she plans for them to grow. I plant them and hope they grow and do what they're supposed to do. But I don't really do anything about this. However, I can say when I'm mowing the yard, there will be acorns, apparently, that that get implanted into the ground. Maybe squirrels put them there. Maybe they accidentally landed and actually worked, and they will grow in the weirdest places, and I have to kill them or, or pull them up or something. It doesn't seem like growth is all that hard. 
It seems like it should just happen. Planet, it happens, and it just got, I mean, that's how it happens, right, for a lot of times. Think of your kids in this way. I know there are growth disorders, and some parents get real uptight. My kid doesn't weigh enough, isn't tall enough, and they go to the doctor and say what's wrong. But have you noticed kids eat terribly? Anybody know this? How many have kids that only eat chicken strips and fries? Anybody? That's all they ever eat. And somehow, they get all the nutrients they need, and they grow. And you go to the doctor and say, he should be high cholesterol already. Uh, He should have heart problems already. He's terrible. We can't get him to eat anything green or of color. Well, that's okay. He's getting it somewhere. They just grow. It's supposed to happen naturally, right? They just live another day and get a little taller. It doesn't happen that way spiritually. It's more like the plants between me and Twyla. Spiritually, you are born again when you become a Christian. You're immersed in the waters of baptism. You have a new birth. And you are a new child of God. You are a spiritual babe or infant in Christ. You've heard that all your life. And that's true. And we think that just kind of like, just throw some chicken strips and fries and they'll grow. Just, Just let them come to church. Just, just bring them to church and do a couple things, and that, that, that child, that infant, will grow up into a mature believer. But I've, I've learned that's not true. There's, we have a lot of believers who are just older in time, not more mature in spirit, because it takes, it takes more than time to pull this off. Spiritually, what does it take to grow? That's one of the questions we're going to have. Two questions today. Next week, I'm going to give you this plan that I encourage you to try. At least give it a shot. But it, my, my question is, are you, are you making the effort? Are you, do you have a plan to grow spiritually? Or are you just going to kind of go along for the ride and meet when the church meets and hope that that does it? Do you have a plan? Do you have a specific plan to grow spiritually this year. So I want to ask a couple of questions that are obvious for anybody who thinks about at least giving thought to planning to spiritually grow. One is, what does spiritual growth look like? What does spiritual growth actually look like? If I, how will I know when it's happening? And, and how do I know when I see it to admire it and strive for it? Well, Paul wants to deal with this in Ephesians chapter 4. And we're in the middle of a discussion so it's unfair but we will finish it later by going to the beginning but here's what he says in Ephesians 4 so that everything said before this is for this purpose when you say so that you mean for this reason that they may no longer be children you do understand right that God expects you to grow he does not want spiritual children all their lives. Yes, we, we love our children, but we're looking at our children as if we're expecting you to grow. God looks at us the same way. He says, I don't want you to be children all your lives. Now, what does it look like? What does he mean by that? And he goes on to say, tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine. Kids go wherever the most interesting thing is. They aren't discerning. They don't have spiritual discernment to know whether this is good or bad. They follow the van with the puppies, the creepy van with no windows and the puppies, and the little toddlers toddle after it because that's what toddlers do, and that's okay for toddlers. But we train our kids from very young to start learning discernment. When that guy comes in that creepy van and he's got the puppies, leave it alone. It's a danger spot. At some point in time, they've got to grow up for that. And the same thing is true spiritually. God, there's all sorts of truths and doctrines and teachings and influences of thought that are being offered 
in our world, and some of them sound so enticing, and some of them are dead wrong. And our kids, if you're a child, you don't know. If it just sounds interesting, you follow it. He goes on to say, next slide if you would. We're going to stop right there. Yeah, so so remain, you remain spiritually infantile. You're swayed by everything you hear. You're carried away by every influence. That's a spiritual child. When someone comes along who has an ulterior motive or someone comes along with temptations, it appeals to you and you do not have the strength of immunity from your discernment to know that it's actually dangerous. And you find yourself following. Anybody ever been to Gobbler, Missouri? I know, Lyndall and Norm over there, they live close to there. Elvis sang there one time, just for you guys. It has no, who cares, right? So anyway, Gobbler had a junkyard where a bunch of cars, and you can go get car parts for yourself. And so I was looking for a car part, and they had one. And I went down there, this was 20 years ago, and there was this lady with her son there. They were picking up a car part, and it was a, I mean, it's a junkyard. It's a junky place. There's grease and oil on the floor. It's just, it was just, but that's what a junkyard's supposed to look like. It's a cool man cave, right? Which means it's terribly nasty on the inside. And so this kid was, was looking around. He saw an M&M on the floor. And you know what this little kid did, right? He reached down to get that M&M, and it was, I was watching him. I was just like, going, no. You know, you're slow, no, don't do it. And he grabs that thing, and here it's coming toward his mouth. I'm, oh, he's going to do it. I probably should do something, but that's somebody else's kid. What are they going to think? And right before the M&M got to his mouth, his mom swatted it. Wait, don't you do that. And the very next second, she brought the cigarette from her other hand and went. <laughs> and I'm like, looky there. It's a sermon illustration. I'm going to use this 20 years from now in Valley View. That's what I was thinking. You swatted the M&M from the floor, and then you stuck the cigarette in your mouth. And I'm going, okay, that kid didn't know any better, but that adult should have. Right? At some point in time between there and here, there needs to be an awareness. What am I putting in my body? It's understood. The infant won't. But the adult should. God doesn't want us this. Instead, according to this passage, we'll continue Ephesians chapter 4. Rather, don't be childish like that. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up and ever to him who's ahead, into Christ, from whom the whole body, all of us, are joined together, held together by every joint, right? So you have the leaders who are putting them all together with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly together, makes the whole body grow, and it builds itself up. We're going to come back to some of that in a minute, but here's what it looks like. Here's what God does want. Next slide. He wants us speaking and living the truth in a world where there's so much untruth around. He wants us to be able to discern where the truth is in everything and where the falsehood is. Now, here's the thing. You ever get a chance to get Mama Bear Apologetics? You need to get this book, parents. It's a great book. And what she is saying in this argument, this one preparing mothers to be, she says, now, keep in mind, nothing is all bad or all good. I mean, it would be easy if we could just say, that's bad, put the skull and bones on it over here, and this is all good. But very rarely is there something that's all one or the other. There's good and there's bad and everything. And you've got to learn how to chew and spit. Chew and spit. You kind of chew the good stuff and you keep it and you spit out the bad stuff, right? And we've got to learn, we've got to teach our people that. Somewhere along the way, y'all, 
you need to do this for yourself and not wait on your mama and daddy to do it or wait on a sermon to decide it or ask a Bible teacher. There's, we're wanting to train our young people. Listen, by the time they get out of high school, I want them to have some discernment about what's good and bad when they go to college because you, mama, cannot go with them. I know you want to, and you're packing your bags, and you want to go with them and help them make those discerning decisions. You can't. You must train them to. Some point in time between being infants and graduating going to high school, we've got to teach discernment. But can we do it? This is, this is where the world needs us the most. Can we embody and speak that truth with love, with grace, with tact, even when we're not respected for it? Can we stand for truth in a way that is honest and firm, yet loving and gracious? Wow! That kind of growth takes some time. I can easily go and I can just label things, everything, and call it all bad and all that. That'd be easy, but that's not going to help the world any at all. I'm going to shut down all conversation. Can I do that? And then the third one, according to Ephesians 4, and this is maybe even more difficult, can I interact and work together with other believers? Can I work with the other believers at Valley View and we together build this body up? Because you know what? Valley View cannot be all it can be if you are not part of it. Valley View cannot be all that God intends for it to be if we have several members who will not come together and work together with the rest of us. Because your growth depends on me and my growth depends on you. But if I isolate myself and I say, you're weird and all that, and I don't want to interact with you, I am stunting my own growth. And many people are doing this, watching services online when they full well could be here, participating and working with the body thinking I'm getting my spiritual nutrition this way no you are not this is what God wants what's going to be involved this is what this is what it looks like when you're growing this is where you're wanting to go this is where God's wanting to lead you it's the destiny he has for you that he's telling you before you get there it's called your predestiny predestiny there is a concept of predestiny in scripture and it's this before you get started let me tell you where I want you to end and while God's gonna finish the job one day all along the way we are growing toward this image right here at least we're supposed to be so what's it take to grow then what's it take to do this how do we actually bring this about in our actual lives right Spiritual growth in the New Testament highlights certain things, and here's the first one, the most fundamental of all of them. You must know the Word of God. There's no substitute, there's no shortcut, there's no other source at the very base of your spiritual growth than this. If you just say, I just want to give me... Give me the Cliff's Notes of Scripture and uh, just give me the basic concepts of what a Christian look like. You know, they don't sm- smoke, they don't drink, they don't uh, date the girls who do, or whatever that is. That, that's all of the Christian. No, that's not all the Christianity. The Word is Christianity. This is who we are. And so you have 2 Timothy chapter 3. We've gone over this in previous weeks, but I want to read it again. All Scripture, God breathed, and it's profitable or useful in teaching, reproof, correcting, and training in righteousness, if you want to be the man of God, fully mature, that image of Ephesians 4, you want to be that guy, 
You want to be that girl. You want to be that person. It's going to take submission to the Word. You've got to know what the Word is. And so we have Bible classes. And in those Bible classes, we teach the Bible. And we have lads to leaders. And in lads to leaders, there's concentrated teaching on the Bible. And, and the sermons are about Scripture. That's what we want. We're always going to be about Scripture because the key to growth is not the sermon, not the preacher, not the song leader, not the Bible class teacher, but the Bible itself, the Scriptures of God. It is necessary, but it's not sufficient. It's necessary, but it's not all you need. That leads to a second thing. You've got to have a posture of submission toward that word. There's many people who think, if I just read the Bible every day, I'm going to grow, grow, grow. That's not true. It's not true. And in fact, if you're one of these people, I want to read the Bible through every year and a year, and you've got to read four or five chapters, you read those four or five chapters, I'm done, and you go on to something else, and there is no transformation, there's no internalizing of this, no intent to actually live it, well then all you've done is, is churned the word in your body, but you've not actually submitted, you've not actually changed yourself, right? Here's the passage I would go to for that, and where this comes from, in James chapter 1, the brother of our Lord says this, put away, therefore, put away all filth, rampant wickedness, the sin in your life, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The word, get this, the word is implanted. When James says the word is implanted, what does he mean by that? What's he mean by the word is implanted? You know it the word is in you you know it so you know the word of God great great you know the scriptures the scripture story and all the things God wants you you know the words they're in you and they can save you it's able to save you the able word is a potential word it has the ability to save you that doesn't mean it will there's a gap between the implanted word being there and the implanted word working in your life and saving you. What's in that gap? Receiving it with meekness. Having a posture of I'm bowing before this word and it's right and I'm wrong. And when it says something, I'm going to make it come true in my life. I'm going to apply it to me. And if I don't have the meekness, if I'm angry at that word or if I've got stubborn rebellion, it remains an implanted word that does absolutely nothing. It has to have your cooperation and enthusiastic endorsement and pursuit. It has to have you saying, speak word, your servant is listening. It has to have that in order for it to unpack itself. And it says, James does, as long as sin is in your life comfortably and the implanted word is too, it's two things living together one of them canceling out the other. There's not enough room in the human heart for the word to be able to do its work while sin remains unchallenged in it. You've got to remove some sin to give the word a chance to explode and actually save your souls. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But Paul says, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. This means you're a Christian. And you've got the Word of God in you. So Scripture plus the Spirit 
together makes you a spiritual person. The natural person, the person who doesn't have Scripture and the Holy Spirit, doesn't understand spiritual things, just not capable. But he says to the Corinthians, you guys I know have the Spirit and you have the Word of God, but you're still acting natural. You're not letting the Spirit use that word to, to implant into your life and to completely overtake your life and make you into a child. of what, what is happening? And here's how he describes it. Next slide. But brothers, I can't address you as spiritual people. Well, now why? They have the Word of God and they have the Holy Spirit operating in their life. Why can't they? Why can't he talk to them in spiritual ways? Because, he says, it's people of the flesh, you're infants in Christ. You're still spiritual babies. After all this time of his work with the Corinthians, they're still spiritual infants. He can't feed them with real solid food. They're not ready for it. And here's the signs of it. You're still of the flesh. You're jealous. You're striving among each other. You're divided. As long as you're fussing and fighting and not getting along with each other, it's an obvious sign the word is not sprouting into your life. The Hebrews writer describes it this way. After he says you've got a deceitfulness of sin in your life, you're giving more room to other things than Jesus, you're not meeting together. He says about this we have a lot to say to you, but it's hard to explain it to you. Why is it hard to explain? Not really, but he says since you've become dull of hearing, for though by this time you ought to be teachers... This tells you that time alone will not produce spiritual maturity. By this time, you ought to be able to teach others the Scriptures. You still don't know them well. You need someone to teach you all the basic stuff again. You're living on milk. You're coming to church and you're wanting to hear the sermons on baptism. And if it's not about baptism, you don't want to hear it. Why? Because you've mastered it. And I want to stay talking about the things I've mastered already. I don't want you to get invasive. I don't want you treading further into my life talking about how I need to be patient and I need to be kind and I need to be serving. I need to be talking to others about my faith. Don't talk about that stuff. That stuff's hard. That stuff I don't like. Let's go back to the stuff that I've already got mastered so I can sit in my pew and say amen and go home and sit in my recliner and not have to do a cotton picking thing. If you came to a church to hear the fundamentals every single Sunday, because I've mastered them and you have, and we're going to keep talking about it so that we feel good about our spiritual lives and we aren't growing, then you need to look beyond the hill. We're going to be invasive here. And I must say to you, you shouldn't be in your recliner watching Netflix flicks for, every, for four hours every evening. It's okay to watch an episode or two, but you know what? Since you've been doing that for a while and you aren't spiritually growing, how about taking one hour of that and thinking about what can we do with this one hour that will make me more like Christ than I would if I kept sitting here watching the third episode? Let me, let me do that because here's the thing. You want to do what you're familiar and comfortable with, and growing makes you get up and do something you've never done before, and I don't want to do it. But you know you need to. And so he says, here's, no, back up, back up. Yeah, I know, you wanna, you're ready to go, Paul. I get it. Everyone who lives on milk, here's how he describes the milk drinker, the spiritual infant. He's unskilled in the word of righteousness. You know what it means to be unskilled 
in the word? Now you might have, you might know the word, but you're not skilled with it. Are you, do you strive to be skilled with the word? How many in here want to be skilled with the word of God? You even know what that means? Let's, let's keep going, let's keep going, because he, he goes on to explain it. Um, since he's a child, a child is unskilled with the word. I don't know how to, I don't know how to discern from it. I don't know how to use this verse when it's not about that verse. It's about something else, but the principle's the same. So he goes on and says, but solid food is for the mature. Those who have the, by their powers of discernment trained, this is who we want to be. I want my power of discernment trained. I want to know better how this word applies because I'm going to tell you something. The word applies to everything in your life, but it's not obvious. It's not obvious at first sight. And if you're looking for a book, chapter, and verse on everything, it's not there. But if you're looking for a book, chapter, and verse that applies to a whole lot of things, that's discernment. That's looking deeper. That's letting it sink in further. And you're understanding what God means, not just what he says. That discernment trained by constant practice. And how does he say you're going to solve this? He flips over to chapter 6 and says, so let's leave that elementary stuff. This sounds weird. I want you to go on, get this, get this, Church of Christ people. I want you to quit talking about baptisms, washing hands, resurrection from the dead. I want you to quit talking about the basics, not forever. I want you to come back and hit on them every once in a while, but I want you to move on. Move on to the deeper parts of Scripture where, where it really gets invasive and it starts saying, how am I to treat people that I work with? How am I actually to talk to my spouse? How do I actually live in the same house with children who think different? How do I do that? That's, that's when the Word of God starts sinking in, and that's a posture of submission to that Word. And already these have added that third element we're going to add to. And this is the one we're going to go Pentecostal for just a minute. Learn to submit to the Holy Spirit. Scripture is not enough. Just say that. Scripture is not enough. The Holy Spirit has to help you interpret what the Holy Spirit put in the Word in the first time. We have the author of the book living in us he's going to use that book but he's going to help you see in life where that book is relevant he's going to lead you and he's going to nudge you and he's going to he's going to give you steps to walk in if you will just learn to discern them listen to romans chapter 8 real quick therefore brothers and sisters we have an obligation it's not to the flesh to live according to it if you live according to the flesh you shall die but if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body you'll live now, I'm going to ask you a trivia question from this, and it's not hard. I don't you think I'm trying to, 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 to fool you. Can you put to death the things that don't belong in your body and put the things in your body that do belong as a spiritual believer? Can you do that without the Holy Spirit? Look at the verse. Look at the red. Can you do this without the Holy Spirit? We have some undecided people in here. The answer is no. It's great to have the word and to know it, but you can't do the word without the author of the word living in you, motivating you, and fueling you to do it. One last thing. 
We're going to put all this together. I'm going to leave you with it. I'm going to make you think about it for a week and then come back with an idea. We also need each other. You've got to work with the community. And I know people. I know people who just, they love the Christian faith, but they can't stand Christians because we're so messy. Have you noticed that? We're messy. We have one guy looking at me right now with a Cubs shirt on, and it's just making me cringe. It's just making me cringe. But he's a brother. He's a brother. And I just got to learn to overlook his immaturity. That's just uh, that's the way it is. There are others like there's other things, but that's, that's, and that's a minor thing. We've got some loud personality people who are strong, and then we've got some, some, some quieter personality people. And God says, I want you all to work together. I want to go back to Ephesians real quick where we started. We're going to end here, and it's on the screen. This is before he says, so that you'll be mature. Not this way, but that way. He says he gave the church the apostles and the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and pastors, and teachers, and their job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body each part doing its work. We have to have each other if any one of us is gonna grow in maturity. It's weird, you can't be all God designed you to be without the rest of us. I don't know why God chose it this way, and it's messy, y'all. It's messy because, man, there's personalities I don't like, and there's people who think different than me, and yet we've got to serve together. And I want you to know there's some odd people in the Valley View. I want you to know if you ever come here on a regular basis, you're going to meet some of the oddest people you will ever meet. Can I hear an amen? Is that okay? Okay. And I'm going to tell you this. You need them. It's inconvenient, it's annoying, and it's necessary. Because the truth is, I think I, think I know what I need for spiritual growth. I'm going to sit at home and I'm going to produce it. And I've already revealed that I'm too ignorant to do that. Because I've got to have the weird fellowship. So I came up with a line. I, want you to, I don't care whether you think it's brilliant or not, it really is. Here's it is. There is meaning in managing the messiness of maddening members to maintain our march to maturity. There is. There is. And you can't grow without it. And it's the weirdest thing because people do. Uh, they distance themselves from the church because it's just too, it's too complicated. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And whatever you give, you're not going to grow that way. So we come, we come to the end of this. I, I just want to tell you what the elements are. I'll give you kind of a plan next time. But, but I, I hope you don't just welcome spiritual growth, but you'll pursue it. And there's a difference. There's a difference. I, welcome it, but I want you to pursue it. You have to choose it. You have to go after it because you'll be comfortable where you are naturally. It's, it's just easy to enjoy what you've attained and stop right there instead of pursuing what God has in store for you and what more he has. I hear Mitchell say this all the time. He came to Valley View, and I don't know, he accidentally got in these places. Where he ends up working here, you know, with the college students and other places, it was sheerly by accident. It wasn't a plan by anybody, but he gets here, and he finds a niche for himself, and he has grown. That guy is different than the guy I knew six years ago. And I want to say that about everybody. We need to say that about everybody, and you want to want it. And here's the thing is, you think that it's a burden. 
You think all that it takes to get there is a burden, and it is. But the net result of it all is an amazing blessing, and right now, he wouldn't do anything else in the world. The crazy nut likes it. So will you. If you'll just pursue it and trust God and submit to that scripture. So when, you know, when you want to do what's comfortable and what's natural, and, and part of you is like, I just want this quiet, you know, and there's nothing wrong with quiet time. There's nothing wrong with Netflix. I'm not saying anything about that. But, but when you spend too much time basking what you've already attained, it becomes an excuse to not get what God has in store for you. And there's ways to do that. And so you have to make a choice. This is not going to be something that you naturally want. It's a choice you have to make because of what God wants for you. So here's the four things I want you to think about. If you're going to talk, I want you to be praying about this for yourself. You must increase the knowledge of the Word. And I'm not one of these that thinks you need to read chapters a day. I think the best way for growth is little pieces. You must grow in submission to that word. You must be willing to say whatever it says and whatever it calls me to do. Yes, if it says something about fasting, give it a shot. Too many of us pass it over and just say it's something. It says something that's really strange to you. You're like, I've never done that before. Well, I mean, Jesus said, when you fast, you must improve discernment of and submission to the Spirit. We need to get better, Church of Christ people. At talking about the Spirit, discerning the Spirit, following the Spirit. And then finally, interact with and be involved in the community of faith in some way. Gary and Shirley James come crawling down the aisle every Sunday. Very slowly. But they're here. We have a funeral meal. Shirley is often called about getting some of that meal together. And you think, well, she, she can't get around as well as she, nope, she can't, but she's got a phone. And she is determined to be part of the work of this church. If all she can do is call around and get those people pieced together. And that, ask anybody who's come for a funeral meal, that is a big deal. If that's all, she can do and she does it it blesses you you grow because of it it blesses all of us and it blesses her and she's 80 something still growing i want to be 90 still growing and so should you because i mean scripture says though the outer man is wasting away the inner man is able to renew day by day. He's able to renew. Whether you do or not is up to you. And so this morning, I just want to challenge you, challenge you for the next week. Think about these four things. Think about what you can do with them. Think about how you can plan to utilize this for a strategy for spiritual growth this year to where you're not the same person when we're meeting December in the same place. Lord willing. There's anyone who needs to respond this morning. Maybe this nothing makes sense because you haven't been born again anyway. You don't have a spiritual life anyway, and so none of this makes sense. We would love to watch a new birth this morning. We'd love to watch someone choose to put on Christ for the first time, to admit 
their sin and confess the name of Jesus and be immersed. And if that's you, it's a great time. And if you have done that, but you have stunted your growth, and for some reason the prayers of this church will help you, we stand ready to receive you as we stand and as we sing together.